is episode 28 of the Improv London podcast with this week's guest, James Witt. This ain't gonna be easy. Welcome to episode 28. I'm your host, Stuart Moses. Just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Improv London. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Improv London. And now on to our guest, who this week is James Witt. Hear James talk about his lifelong obsession with pirates, the teachers who have inspired him and those who have stood in his way, the effect immersing yourself in Chekhov has on aftershow parties and music box, past, present and future. James Wick. Hey, Stuart Moses. Welcome to the Improv London Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> um, okay, I have a question for you. Fire away. So, this podcast is no place for modesty, false or otherwise. Uh, what would you say, in the world of improv, you're really good at? Right. Um, is, is this a cop-out? I think I'm a bit of an all-rounder, really. Right, okay. Um, and that comes... I, I don't think I was to begin with. Uh, when I started improvising seven years ago, I think I've become more rounded as I've got more experience, on-stage experience, definitely. Um, I mean, I've had a traditional classical training, if you like, so I think being present on stage and not having the nerves that some people get, that kind of got beaten out of me at drama school. Right, yeah, yeah. So I guess having that kind of uh, theatrical presence. Uh, also, I, um, I think I'm a pretty confident singer, so that, that's come from lots of, lots of shows, yeah. lots of shows under my belt, about 150 or something. Wow. Lot of shows now. Uh, and... This is a tough one. I really hate doing those biogs and uh, <laughs> writing CVs and things. It's never been my strong point, like right. writing to agents and things. Because um, I'm uh, all about the tough questions. Yeah, you are. This you is like news night. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, to figure out. I, <laughs> I guess I'm a, a bit of a pirate, really, if, if there's those categories of improviser. And I guess I am a bit of, I'm very playful on stage. I like to throw spanners in the works. Um, I like to take people by surprise, but also but in, a, in, in a loving way. I'm always there to catch them. If, they, yes. if I push them off the cliff, I'm ready to catch them again. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess, and um, playing strong characters and playing the truth of those characters as well. Um, yeah, making strong decisions with the character and sticking with it. Uh, yeah, I'd say those were probably cool. the, the ones I can think of. Cool, excellent. <laughs> Um, so, so you, you mentioned, so you, you're a pirate, yeah. <laughs> and, but there's also, what are the other two? I can't remember yeah, now. I can't remember now. I've gone blank. There's something it's like an engineer, or, is it a no? Because uh, there's different ways of doing it, isn't it? Is there pirate, robot, ninja? Ah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, you kind of, a ninja comes in and like drops a little uh, hint or how they want the story to go forward, maybe. I don't know. Al Samuels in Baby Wants Candy is very much a ninja, I think. He tends to 
always tends to play like secondary characters, right. but really has a way of moving the story forward by just coming in with one offer, just dropping it, dropping a bomb and then leaving the stage again, which is brilliant. I kind of think there should be more of that in improv, and I wish I did more of that rather than just hang, like, you get one up and then you just want to stay on stage. Yeah, 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 just yeah. Um, but quite often it's, I find the best scenes are with two or three people, so once you get more than that, you... It tends to get a bit messy, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to listen to everyone and yeah, follow what's going on. And then the robot, that's the person, does that person analyse the scene logically? Yeah, I've got no logic, you see, I'm uh. terrible at maths and <laughs> science, I was, yeah, I was never, I was academic, but more with uh, creative subjects like English and drama, but yeah, I'm just, my brain's not wired that way. No, fair enough. <laughs> I wish that, uh, I wish I had the ability to do that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, so there you are. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's, uh, so would you say you're most well-known at the moment for Music Box? Uh, yeah, definitely. But um, the last year or so, I've been branching out and oh, right. trying to push myself to do more projects. Uh, so, but yeah, so I was in Music Box from the inception. Um, How did the inception occur? Because uh, we've mentioned Music Box in passing yeah, quite a lot, but we yeah. haven't really ever well, got I, the... Well, I looked in my emails last night because I was... I, preempted this question and uh, it was almost seven years to the day um, I auditioned for Showstopper like before they'd even done any shows I think and I met uh, Becca Marriott who's a opera singer now um, she was an improviser at the time and she still does a bit she does improvise opera with Steve Rowe um, and so we met at the audition and we did a great scene we kissed at the end of it which I don't think I've done since <laughs> or before um, and uh, then we st- and uh, Dylan, or Adam, I can't remember who, invited me along to, uh, to do the workshops every Sunday, but I was dating a guy in Germany, and I'd booked all my flights for like the next three months, uh, or he was coming over here, so I just didn't commit, yeah. and kind of, they were just starting out, so it yeah, wasn't, yeah. didn't seem like a big thing then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> damn it! Um, and then, so Becca and I uh, corresponded afterwards, and we were like, oh, we can't, she couldn't make the Sunday uh, rehearsals either. And I think it, so it was May, there was only two months before Edinburgh, we were both going up to Edinburgh, and uh, so we said, why don't we start something on a Wednesday, musical improv, similar thing, and then gradually Steve got involved, quite, uh, Steve Rowe got involved quite soon after, Chris Mead, Georgina Rowe, uh, she was Breen then, and Maria Peters, and uh, we just got together, and then for a year we just rehearsed, yeah. sort of a bit ad hoc, um, and came up with a format. It was kind of based on a format uh, Amy Cotterson had come up with uh, during the Oxford Imps time, which Becca was in with her. Um, and then we adapted it a bit more because Chris had seen Baby What's Candy, so he sort of brought that influence in. I'd seen a group called One Night Stand from LA who were also a long-form narrative improv, who were brilliant. I don't know what happened to them. I think they just disappeared. Yes, uh, heard of yeah, they were great, though. They played at the Pleasance for two years, sold out. Yeah. Um, yeah, they might still be pr- performing in LA, but they haven't done Edinburgh since. So yeah, we had it was a bit of a melting pot, and obviously Steve had all of his experience. Um, so yeah, so that was the pretty much my first. I'd done a bit of comedy sports in Berlin before that, but literally a couple of guest slots. Right. Um, so yeah, and then we were all so nervous about putting the show on, even though in rehearsal it was great. We were just it was that next step. Um, and finally we did it at the Wheat Chief. It's now the Wheat Chief. It was called something else back then. Um, and it was a hoopla night. 
and it was great. We got it was packed, it was standing room only, and wow. it was still one of the best musical shows we've ever done. It was yeah. Pirates don't wear pants. Uh, so pirates <laughs> recurring theme. And, um, the, the main song was pirates don't wear pants. Steve and I like uh, mimed dropping our trousers. And the lyric was, when you're a pirate sailing the seven seas, you've got to let your scrotum hang free. Pirates don't wear pants. Pirates don't wear pants. Um, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and yeah, I've always loved performing Steve. Still doing it now, seven years later. Uh, yeah, so, so basically, to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, I was a bit lazy until recently and mostly doing, I was guest, guest performing in other people's shows, but mostly doing Music Box. Um, and then uh, branched out a bit a couple of years ago. Steve and I did Pirates 2 Prov, um, pirate theme again, because yes. we're both, that's kind of our thing. And we kind of wanted Tom Webster from the RH and Andrew Gentili to join, but there was scheduling conflicts, and in the end, we just did a 2 Prov. Um, so that was great. Um, and then. Uh, so so you, you both like playing a pirate? And being a pirate. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> the proviso we were of the show was we were two pirates on the ship. Everyone in the audience was our shipmates. Oh, that's nice. And uh, we just, it was kind of a storytelling type of thing. So we'd get a, a suggestion for a title and an object, I think it was, and then go from there. So, like, we were telling, it was, like, late night on the high seas, and we were telling a story. Um, yeah, it was great, and we're going to do more of them, but it's just, he's a difficult man to pin down. He's a busy man, isn't yeah. he? Yes, he has many <laughs> fingers in many improv pies. Right, yeah, and I'm, and I'm seeming to get more now, which is good. Uh, so, yeah. So, do you, do you rehearse, have you rehearsed much as um, a two-prof? Because I'm interested in that process, because I kind of understand... Uh, with, yeah, with Steve, we didn't, but just yeah. because we've just done so done much so together. Much. Right, yeah. Yeah, and we kind of discussed the format, and... But yeah, I think for a new two-prof, it probably would be a good idea mm. to rehearse a lot. And Music Box, even though we're totally freeform, don't really have a structure at all. Well, we don't have a structure anymore. We used to back in the day. Um, we still rehearse a lot because it's good for camaraderie. It's good yes. for um, having that uh, hive mind and having that uh, the ESP as well. We definitely have that, uh, the, the eight of us or something that have been performing for quite for like three years now, there's been a core of eight of us. Um, and now we've got some new members, we're going to start rehearsing a bit more again. We had a bit of a hiatus, but uh, yeah, I, I do think rehearsal is really important for, yeah, no matter how, how big, even if you're a solo prof like Ginny Lyons or Lady G, um, yeah. yeah, still rehearse on your own. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, if, you do, if you're rehearsing on your own, that's got to be easier yeah. in some way. I mean, from an organisational point of view, yeah. I mean, everything else. <laughs> As a kid, that's all I ever did. I used to just do these TV programs in front of the mirror. And I guess I, did, I had a best friend, um, Smitty. He was so shy. He was just basically the props man or the tech. <laughs> but yeah, he never really said much. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd perform in front of our parents. And yeah, uh, I had to face his toys and things. <laughs> just, yeah, I remember an action man. We needed, it was a pirate again. I'm just like obsessed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I drew with permanent marker this uh, I mean, eye patch onto. You, you do know that pirates are essentially criminals. Yeah, but I'm from Southampton, and I think it must be in my blood. I think yeah. it's, it's the family line, and a, a lot of my ancestors were nautical. Really? So, yeah. Okay, that's... Na naughty but nautical. <laughs> <laughs> nautical but nice. Um, so, why, sorry, why did you deface his action, man? 
Because uh, we needed a pirate in the show. Right. It was sort of a puppet show. Right. And um, he didn't have any toy pirates. <laughs> so I, I, I think I actually cut his leg off as well with some scissors. <laughs> and, <laughs> and got in trouble with his parents. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was always... I did get in trouble a lot at school. I was quite good at playing the teachers off though. So if I would get called into their master's office, I would tend to cry or come up with a really big backstory of why I'd been really naughty, why I'd um, <laughs> uh, brought uh, pornography into the schools, it's, yeah, or something like that. <laughs> that I just found in the woods, but yeah, it was like, I was going to give it to the teacher. Miss. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the old days, you had to try and find your pornography in the woods. I mean, yeah, exactly. Young people today, they don't know they're born. Right, they they're easy access to. Yeah, just get on Google. It's disgraceful. <laughs> Bring back the wood porn, I <laughs> It's broken Britain, Stu. It's terrible. <laughs> we want to make Britain great again. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it. Anyway. Are we going to go to my local newsagent? Uh, <laughs> remove, well, no, we could keep them in the, in the plastic wraps. Just because if we're going to put them out, out in the outdoors, <laughs> yeah. they won't perish as easily. Well, all the pages won't be stuck. <laughs> no smart, no pirates. Okay, we're setting some more boundaries. I'm going to start writing it down. It's important we have boundaries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we were talking about uh, music boxing. We are talking about how you're rehearsing more often. Yeah. So how often is, is often? Uh, once a week once now, a week. and it always seems to be a Wednesday, even looking back at those old emails. Um, yeah, and we've got, just got this, quite, well, fairly recently got this new place in Pimlico. It's great. We're going to start inviting people in for drop-ins as well oh, on those cool. sessions. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, we haven't done any workshops for about a year and a half, so, yeah, something now, because I, I took a, we, we rotate the artistic director role, and we always have, really, since the start. And it's my tenure at the moment, which is the first time I've been artistic director in seven years. So um, how long's tenure? It, it's flexible. <laughs> right, so at the moment, I'm ready to be. I'm ready to get pushed off my um, <laughs> iron throne, as, as it were, because I've already extended it beyond. Like some people did three months. I I I think I'm coming up for a year. Uh, <laughs> hope none of the group are listening because I'm enjoying it. <laughs> enjoying the power. Um, but yeah, so we've got some changes. We brought in uh, James Whitaker, who's from Classic Andy. Brought in Francesca Reed, who's in Multiverse. And uh, Phil's gone to concentrate. Phil Lons, who was our MD, has gone to concentrate on his solo work. So we've got Tom Hodgin, who um, played for Multiverse and waiting for the call um, and yeah so uh, got a bit of a renaissance going on um, we've had some guests bringing in some more guests as well um, and then some of the past music boxers uh, are guesting so Maria Peters is doing our next show um, which is great it's, it does feel like a family and people come and go and even when people have resigned over the years we've said well the door's always open yeah. and yeah it is yeah I don't think there's anyone that's never come back to guest in, that's cool. yeah, in our history, which is great. And um, I keep forgetting your question. <laughs> no, that's fine. Going that's off fine. Oh, rehearsing, yeah. So, um, well, I was just wondering what a typical rehearsal, what form does it take? Yeah. So if you're, you say you're musical director? Uh, artistic director. Artistic director. So are you running the rehearsals? Are you getting coaches in? Uh, a mixture, really. Uh, so... Now we've got James in, He's, um, he used to be a chorister, so I've, I'm getting him to run some sessions on vocal technique, because that's something we started with, with Becca, because she was an opera singer, 
Um, and it's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. So James is going to do our next two sessions on vocal technique. And so, yeah, because I think it just makes it easier if it's in your muscle memory, which it is for me because I train in musical theatre, but for some other people in the group, it's, it's, um, it's a secondary thing or that they're like, they're a lot more confident on the improv than I am because it's in their muscle memory. So yeah, it's trying to get that into each other's muscle memory. Um, and then Fran's going to do a session on clowning and because she's got loads of experience on that and then move into some movement work as well. So I'm kind of giving her a bit of a dance captain role because, um, yeah, I think we at the Miller, we're quite limited with the amount of dance we can do. But when we, play the big, yeah, yeah. Exactly. when we play the bigger spaces, it's nice to be able to really yeah. expand like, like showstoppers do brilliantly. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I can't think what else. And we're going to have a rap workshop with uh, Dan Atfield, who's been a musician with us since the beginning, um, but he's done, been doing stuff with the band of man, so I want him to Brilliant. come and impart some of that knowledge with us. And then, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, then we're going to do a session on accents, so if anyone has an accent they're not very comfortable with, they're going to come in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For some people, yeah, it's, yeah. Again, that was part of my training, so we had a great accent coach um i was a drama school with Gemma arismith who if anyone needs help with an accent yeah. go to her she's amazing uh, but we had a great teacher sally haig who taught us phonetics so you could kind of break down the accent um and it makes it so much easier then when you know what vowels to change and being quite scientific about it yeah um which it was my downfall because <laughs> i couldn't i was rubbish at the theory but i could go into i've kind of i've got an ear for it yeah i've always done impressions and accents so Andrew and I are going to run that. Yeah, I think that's a that's about it. That um, sounds yeah. Nice. That <laughs> I think amazing. Maria's going to come and guest as well. Probably not till after Edinburgh, but yeah, do one of our narrative um, sessions. So. so I mean, it's brilliant if you've got all these, those different talents within the group and they're yeah. able to share them. But so, do you give each other notes then? How do you deal? How do you deal with that? Because I know. Yeah, that's something I have been struggling with as director because half the time I'm in the show so it's difficult to make notes but actually the last show we did I filmed it and I have made some notes so at the next rehearsal I will uh, impart those and Rhiannon was on the lights, Rhiannon Vivian, um, she's kind of assistant directing, well we've been both been in it from the start with the longest, well pretty much the start for Rhiannon uh, with the longest serving. Um, uh, so yeah so she made notes and I made notes but yeah sometimes it is difficult uh, so I think when that does occur, I might get a third party from another group or something to make notes for yeah, us. Yeah. I think that's a good way forward because yeah. it is useful to have feedback for every show. And sometimes you think it's a great show, but actually watching it back, it wasn't as good a show as I thought it was. Right, yeah. Oh yeah, we were kind of going into defaults and we had a great crowd though. I don't know if you saw the video, we had a live proposal oh, at the show oh, on wow. Friday. So uh, Ben, who Ben Hamblin, who's a music box, his boyfriend, or now fiancé, uh, got in touch with us and said, I want to surprise Ben at one of your shows. <laughs> so uh, he commissioned Lewis Harrison Barker and Charlie Dinkin to write a puppet show, because um, they're both in Glitch as well as Music Box. And um, it was about Ben and BJ, but uh, it was called Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> it came on after the Music Box show. Oh, right, yes. And uh, Ben really didn't have a clue what was going on. It was brilliant. But the audience was... 70% his friends and family. <laughs> and even then he didn't quite twig. But it was one of the busiest nights I've ever seen in the middle. Uh, but they were 
they were a great audience, but I don't think they were, I think they were laughing more than uh, normal minimal <laughs> kids. Right. They've just that home crowd feeling. Yeah. I've had that when I've had lots of family in. Yes. I don't know, um, but it's great. It's, yeah. yeah they enjoyed themselves and yes. the, the proposal was amazing. Tom Hodge wrote the music and we all joined, the rest of Music Watch joined in at the end. And then Vijay, his partner, got up on stage and popped the question like, but the poppers just looked identical to them though. Oh wow. And uh, it's had like 7,000 views now on, on Facebook. Well, I'll so, put the link in the show notes. Yeah, so yeah, just a, yeah. Can, uh, have a watch. Yeah, it'll be on the, it's on the Music Box Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. It's oh, really beautiful. It was sort of kooky, sort of Muppet, kooky, uh, touching feeling. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, it kind of made my my husband's proposal seem pale in significance. Oh no, <laughs> oh dear. But to be fair to him, he was going to do it during Beyonce. If you liked it, then she put a ring on it at Glastonbury. But I was in the St. John's ambulance tent, worse for wear, having lost everyone. So it was my own fault. So he did it a week later in a restaurant. It's totally my own fault. <laughs> no, I think, I think that sounds a great, yeah, yeah. well, you know. It's, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> You're together now, that's the important yeah, thing, yeah, isn't it? Really? We're married now. He finally, yeah, did put a ring on it. And, uh, yeah, two months today or something like that. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we didn't have any improv in the, in the uh, show. Well, actually, the first dance was improvised. We didn't choreograph that because we just ran out of time. So, yeah. what, was, what did you dance? What was your first? It was Kermit the Frog, Rainbow Connection. Oh. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was very sweet, yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't take it too seriously. Jimmy did a knee slide and destroyed his suit trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a handstand. Um, luckily, didn't injure myself. But yeah, yeah it, was, yeah, it was a nice thing. It's what Kermit would have wanted. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I did, have, I did toy with the idea of someone, puppet maybe Lewis, because he's got the experience in Glitch, the improvised music, <laughs> no, the puppet show, as Kermit. But... Yeah, I just ran out of time. Well, you know, so these things happen, you yeah. know. <laughs> right, okay, so let's, uh, let's travel back. Let's travel back do, do, in do, time. Do, 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 do. Flashback. Yes. <laughs> we'll <have a> flashback. <laughs> okay. So, where did your love of performing or comedy first manifest itself? Well, I was thinking about this. My earliest, one of my earliest memories is being in HMV and uh, buying the chicken song by Spitting Image. <laughs> because I, I don't know how I saw it or knew about it, but I loved it. And I just played it on repeat, including the B-side, I've Never Met a Nice South African, which is quite uh, really on PC now. But it's got some brilliant rhymes like, um, I know a place in Glasgow that is fresh with daffodillies. I know a man in Kathmandu that claims to have two willies. And that was the bit like, I used to play over and over again as a five or six year old. I was so young. Uh, yeah. I have very liberal parents, you see. And, um, uh, and I, I did used to watch Spitting Image from the top of the stairs on a Sunday oh, night, yeah, which yeah. wasn't until like 10. No, it was only wasn't it? And um, I used to love it. Just, it used to scare me. Like Margaret Thatcher used to give yeah. me nightmares, but she was like a butcher. And, um, oh, um, well, at one point she was one of the aliens from the aliens. Oh, film. yeah, yeah. I remember that really that, yeah. freaked me out because I remember watching it and yeah, it was on, it seemed on really late. I think it was on at 10 o'clock yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But then I think they eventually, mum and dad eventually caught me watching the stairs and then we'll record it. And then I think it was a supervised viewing. So if any of the sketches were a bit rude, mum would fast forward them. Right. But I really loved the songs. They were my favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they were just genius. Um, 
And so that was my love of satire, really, as well, and comedy. Um, and I was always in the school plays. So I remember, I think my first ever role was like in the Fantastic Mr. Fox. And it was a character role. It was one of the farmers, like the Mr. Bean or something. I think, yeah, I think he's called Mr. Bean. And, uh, <laughs> and then quite soon after that, I started writing my own shows, like the Christmas review i was father christmas but there was a maggie thatcher joke in it and so, it was, you, so you wrote it and both cast yourself the largest role uh, probably yeah <laughs> I, had, I had really i had a really good teacher in year six of junior school mrs bell who i'm still in touch with she sent me a wedding present wow. she couldn't come sadly but um uh, but yeah stay in touch with her she's great and she really uh, boosted my confidence and she she was a musician so kind of would write we co-write these shows. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, it's great when you do get a teacher that is inspiring like that. Yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't many of them. <laughs> 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 my education. Well, there were. There was a few. Um, and on top of that, I used to do the like the local Amdram groups in the big theatre, like Oliver, The King and I. And so musicals were a big thing early on, much to my father's chagrin because really? I gave up being in the football team to, to <laughs> concentrate on my musical theatre. Oh, really? Yeah, hobby. Uh, but yeah, he, he got over it. Uh, he could tell, I think, that that was what I was destined to do or wanted to do. And even back then, I would improvise in the shows. So I'd, even if I was like urchin number three, I would find a way of pulling focus. Or, uh, but the director would let it, let it slide or, yeah. It's weird it. because that, did you pull focus? What question was in my head at that point? Yeah. It's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that playfulness. I remember being in the school playground. I always used to love playing Ghostbusters or Ewoks and yeah so I can't remember a time when I wasn't performing or doing shows in the living room with my grandparents making up songs yeah um, so yeah that continued uh, into secondary school I had a great Mrs Emmett my drama teacher there was brilliant she would improvise whole lessons so we'd come in to the class and she'd go welcome to the haunted manor and then we'd do a whole murder mystery like just off the cuff and um, lots of lots of plays that were devised through improv. Um, I used to enjoy playing because so my love of spitting image was a love of impressions. And I had looking back, I had a strange taste in people I used to impersonate. So my my core ones being Jimmy Savile, Rolf Harris. Um, <laughs> I can't think of else. Just uh, Margaret Thatcher. Just yeah, lots of politicians and things. Um, yeah, so I loved, always loved satire and comedy. Um, yeah, and so then they encouraged me to do A-levels and performing arts, which I loved. Um, got high grades in that because a lot of it are much better than other subjects because, because I love being creative and writing and... Showing off. Yeah, showing off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that... Yeah, that led to university where I um, went to Birmingham and the same course as Pippa Evans. I was a couple of years above her and um, we, our paths didn't really cross much. But um, I had a great... Then I met uh, Stephen Allen who did the voice of Margaret Thatcher on really? Spitting Image. Yeah. Wow. So he taught us comedy theory as well as like a stand-up course, um, so a bit you? of improvisation as well. We did a whole 
I think it was a whole year on improv and uh, voice classes. It was a great course because we covered costume, lighting. It was a really well-rounded yeah. course. So I was doing that alongside English as well. So it's like joint honours. But um, yeah, it was amazing working with... I didn't know he was on the teaching. Um, I didn't even know... I don't think I recognised him to begin with. Obviously, because yeah. he's just more famous for his voices. Yes. Um, but yeah, he was great. He was a bit of a mentor during... Um, Birmingham and stayed in touch. He's been to Music Box, um, and yeah, he helped me with impressions and things. Um, and so yeah, uh, comedy kind of took a bit of a back seat there. I was doing like I spent more of my time uh, doing the musical theatre society, like directing shows and being in shows. Probably spent more time doing that than actually on my course. <laughs> Didn't like English really. I think I got two two in English and the first in drama. Right. So yeah, they, um, yeah. I was. I didn't really read many books. Well. Read a lot of York notes. Yeah. Sort of bust my way through. But I think um, those extracurricular activities, well, for me, are what university is about. Oh yeah, it's, totally. You know, it's the time to be able to do that. You know, when you have any got, you know, less lectures to go to, and yeah. you know, you can devote yourself to doing those things, and yeah. that's where you learn. Uh -huh. you know. And I've always been more of a night owl, so yeah. I never really attended any um, lectures before midday. They always <laughs> tended to be the afternoon ones. I was selective about. Uh, I mean, the drama department was a bit stricter, but English, they kind of didn't really care if you <laughs> attended any lessons. <laughs> I think I once got a letter in my pigeonhole saying you need to come to my seminar, so I did. But yeah, that, actually, that's wrong. There were some, I just didn't really like, it was quite prescriptive what we were taught in English. Um, but I always prefer the more modern literature. So when it was modern literature classes, I was in attendance more and I would read the books. But when it was medieval literature, it wasn't really what I signed up for. So <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it was too much effort to read those Chaucerian texts. So yeah. Well, I, I got through my English A level. Um, I really struggled with Chaucer, uh -huh. but I was in a charity shop and somebody had bought, no, somebody had donated a copy of, I think it was The Merchant's Tale, and they'd gone through it and handwritten a modern translation over every line. Oh, perfect. And that was like, this is a gift from the gods. Yeah. You know, so did you do well in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got an A. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I think I did get an A, but I don't think it was for my Chaucer. <laughs> um, yeah. If I hadn't you know, discovered that book, in that charity shop, well, maybe my life would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a story, the guy that played uh, the wizard in The Wizard of Oz, he was trying to get into character for the wizard, and apparently he went into this thrift store, found this jacket, which was perfect for the wizard, and in the lining, there was um, a monogrammed inscription, and it was Frank L. Baums, who oh, wrote wow. The Wizard yeah, of Oz. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's true or if it's folklore. <laughs> There's a lot of stories like that about The Wizard of Oz. Yes, right? there are. I've not like heard Pink that one. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, someone went back to the future. and Yeah, <laughs> uh, Yeah. so uh, Birmingham. And then after that, I applied to lots of postgrads at drama schools. I got offered a few different places like Italia Conte and Arts Ed, but I ended up going to Guildford because I got a scholarship there. Oh, and wow. But it was for three years rather than one year. Right. So it was actually so much cheaper to do it two, three years. So I kind of, by the end of the third year, I was kind of over higher education, right. ready to leave. But that's where I met Gemma Arrowsmith. We did loads of uh, kind of improv there. We did like skits and sketches. Like at the Christmas Carol concert, we would 
take the mickey out of the teachers, which probably didn't work in our favour in the long <laughs> run. Um, but do impressions of them. Best you love a satire, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't fight him. Like, do, do I succeed or do I do this? And um, yeah, uh, so there was a bit more improv there. We had this amazing acting coach, Ian Ricketts, who turns 80 next week. I'm going to be away, sadly, they're having a big party for him. I think he's going to get a Queen's Honour as well. There's a big surprise. Oh, but wow. He's incredible. He's um, Hamwright's. Spends all of his free time handwriting calli calligraphed or calligraphy yeah. letters to ex-students. Just, it's just such an inspirational man. And yeah. he speaks like this. Oh, he's such a wonderful <laughs> fella. Oh, yes, Stuart. And uh, he gives the most amazing hugs. You go to his office and have tea with him and just so patient. And, but he was a great acting coach. We did a lot of improv with him. Um, quite a, he went to Lambda like with Donald Sutherland so that's how well I told you he's 80 so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how old he is um, but, but he's still teaching now like almost full time and he's uh, so sprightly for his age yeah. drinks a lot of tea and sniffs a lot of lavender well, that um, so, yeah. so he was great uh, I can't say the same for a lot of the teaching staff there but, um, <laughs> and there was a lot of dance so it was musical theatre but there was more dance than acting or singing yeah, right. which got a bit frustrating by the end I yeah. was like I, did, I thought this was going to be a, like quite evenly yeah. distributed, but I don't know if they're like the head of dance was really strong-willed. So, yeah. but um, so have you got some moves now? Not really. No, yeah. they're they're comedic, and um, if like if anyone that's seen Music Box, like I tend to initiate a lot of the dance, but it is I'm just not built for it. I just yeah. always would feel. Like these classes, we'd always have a mirror there, so I'd always feel self-conscious. <laughs> right. And they were really strict about what we wore, so we had to wear like cycling shorts or a unitard. And um, I'm just, yeah, I just used to look at myself and think, <laughs> what the hell the fuck am I doing? Um, uh, but yeah, there were some great things. And uh, in my spare time, I did a lot of improv with my housemate Joe, and uh, we've got millions of tapes. Uh, like DV tapes and audio tapes of just us jamming. He played the piano and guitar, so that's kind of where, kind of how I got back into the musical improv again. Um, and so, yeah, so that was Guildford, and then I did, we're in Piccadilly at the moment in a mystery location, I did my showcase at the end of three years at the Criterion, where the comedy that goes wrong by Mischief oh, Theatre okay. is on at the moment. Uh, so we had our showcase there, and um, I I think in retrospect, uh, well, in re retrospect, I know that I picked a really bad song oh, for my showcase, uh, advised by these tutors that had probably been knocked off by me sending them up, <laughs> and always speaking out against injustice. Like, if I felt like one of my uh, course mates had been treated unfairly, I, would, I was always the one that spoke right. up for them as well, which didn't work in my favour, like, with casting in the third year, I kind of did get, like, assigned a lot of crap pass, <laughs> um, which hadn't really been the case, I'd like, kind of, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, we did the showcase there, but my, the song I was told to do uh, was from, it was cut from Chicago, and it was called 10%, and it was sung from the point of view of an agent, and it had the lyric, uh, throw your careers at me, you found the perfect gent, as long as I collect my 10%. And it was basically saying all agents are evil. And yes. this was to a showcase for agents. Yes. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I remember at the time thinking this is risky. They were like, no, they'll love it. They love it when people do these. <laughs> they didn't love it. And, um, I got well, interest from one agent. I signed with her. And uh, she was very musical theatre. Uh, 
all of the auditions she was sending me for were like dance school first. Right. And yeah. you had to get through the dance school to sing or act. Right. Yeah. And so I was just getting cut, like, because I'd get there and there was all these very small, uh, toned young gents, um, very confident in their dancing. Yeah. And I was just um, terrible, <laughs> um, just laughably bad. And I kind of think I've used that to my advantage now for cheap laughs in Music Box, but. Um, yeah, I was just, yeah, it was a bit of a waste of time and I kept saying to her, can you get me some other auditions? Yeah. And it didn't really work. So uh, from there, yeah, I just uh, kind of got all my work myself really from recommendations or, yeah, I didn't audition much. It was tended to be recommendations of stuff. Yeah, but, um, word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth. Uh, one job led to another. Um, I did a bit of Chekhov, a bit of Shakespeare. Um, the Chekhov was great, that was kind of site-specific. That had a bit of improv because we were in this old manor house, and so when we weren't doing our scripted bits, we were in other rooms, oh, wow. sort of just making up like yeah. backstories to what oh, we were doing. Wow. And it was really method as well. I mean, yeah. There's a company called Teatro Vivo, and they're based in South East London. And uh, Sophie Austin, she's the best director I've ever worked with. She, uh, yeah, it was very method, and we uh, the after party for that show was just crazy. Like, <laughs> meltdowns everywhere, like arguments, and yeah, <laughs> some people like getting off with each other in the cupboard, and then other people just having physical fights, and yeah, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> and this this was because of immersing yourself in Chekhov. Yeah, and these roles that yeah. these, it was the three sisters, and like everyone pretty much hates each other in that play. Yeah. And um, yeah, we and then we did it again at the theatre museum. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. That was a great experience. But I, yeah, I quit my job. I think that was, yeah, like when I first left drama school, I worked at Christie's for like two years and yeah. I was doing bits of fringe. And then that was the first like, full time job I had. So I quit Christie's to do that. And then I didn't, for quite a few years, didn't do a full time job. Was, um, I was just doing, lucky enough to do like full time acting for a while. Wow. But yeah, that's kind of dried up. <laughs> and I've got a new agent now, so she's been, yeah, so cool. it's good. Um, I hope you've been on this podcast, Will, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it two million listeners? Or? Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, <laughs> certainly heading in that direction. That's in we're getting more wrong than fewer. <laughs> no, it's going up though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I it's, love it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pleased at how many people um, are listening. Because um, when I started this, it was the recording of it, and it was the actual um, speaking to people that was most important. And it is still the most important part, but I've discovered this love of, like, watching those figures, you know, and sort of, you know. Yeah. It turns out that I need validation as much as the guests. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do to some degree. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so I get to Music Box, I guess. There's not much of <laughs> Rambling on forever. Got lobby. Total lobby. Um, uh, so then uh, I kind of had stayed in touch with Gemma Arrowsmith. And uh, I think I uh, went to see her in News Review. And having loved, grown up with Spitting Image, I was like, I have to be in the show. Um, I love it. So uh, quite soon after, I auditioned. I think the second time I got in, and um, I just really took like a duck to water. So the, if anyone that's not seen it, it's sort of half cast written and half there's a team of writers that email submissions in. Wow. Um, but and you rehearse for like two weeks before you start. But I wrote like half the songs 
for our for our our run, and I just really just loved it. Just felt like this is what I was destined to do, um, and uh, so I forgot what I was going to say. Um, so yeah, I did that six week. You only do it for a six week cycle, and then they recast, and then I went back and directed and kept writing for them, and um, yeah. Uh, so Gemma had been in it. Uh, while I was in it, I met Jess Foster Q. We then went on to um, do Shakespeare for Breakfast in 2007 at the Fringe. With uh, in our cast was Sarah Pascoe and uh, Gemma Whelan, who's Yara Greyjoy on Game of Thrones now, kicking ass. <laughs> and uh, we wrote, so we wrote uh, Shakespeare for Breakfast that year together, and it was that was great as well. So uh, what was the concept of Shakespeare for Breakfast? Then? Um, so it, it, it changes. Was it at breakfast time? Yeah, it's at breakfast. Right, okay. And the, it's a bit of a fringe institution, so a lot of people start the day with it because you get a free croissant and coffee. Nice. But it, well, it's terrible coffee and terrible <laughs> croissants. I directed it last year and um, I had a word about the coffee because it was just, it was like water. It was awful. Um, so, yeah, it was cool doing that. And concurrently in the same venue, News Review was running the Edinburgh version which Emily Murphy and Pippa Evans were in, and they were performing my stuff, which was great. So I went to see it about six times because <laughs> I had a venue pass. And, um, yeah, so that was great. And I went back, I think I said that already, directed it. Um, but I guess that then that led to the Treason Show, which is a similar version to, a similar show to News Review in Brighton. But they were doing one in Berlin, Ah. which is where my ex lived and I was kind of half living there anyway and we performed that at the Kookaburra Club which is an English language comedy club in Berlin but uh, before our show was comedy sports yes. which is short form uh, improv and it's from Milwaukee Milwaukee originally right. and it's uh, one of the most famous alumni from there is Dan Harmon right. who does Harmontown uh, podcast and community uh, TV show with Chevy Chase. So, uh, comedy sports is different from theatre sports. Yeah, I think it's like a bastardisation of it. Right. It's, it's definitely, from what I can tell, having done both now, it's, it plays up the, the sports aspect more. So right. the referee, instead of judges, there's a referee that comes on in like a hockey, I guess Milwaukee's quite uh, ice hockey, it's near Canada, isn't it? Um, so, and they've got like a red card and a yellow card. If you get the red card, you get a paper bag on your head, whereas right. in theatre sports, you get a basket. So it is really similar. <laughs> but, but and the teams all wear sports colours. So I guess I guess it came from a time before the internet. So right. maybe that's why it's... <laughs> but it is franchised as well, like theatre yeah. sports. So yeah, yeah they obviously bought the franchise out there and it's on their website as a franchise. But I just guessed it with them a couple of times. So I didn't right. really workshop or anything. Okay. Um, but that was my first on stage. I mean, I'd ad-libbed a lot in News Review and every show I'd ever done. But um, <laughs> this was the first. Yeah, and it was petrifying. And um, so then when I came back to London, um, Lucy Trog put me in touch with Adam because we'd worked together. She was part of that circle of News Review at the time. And um, Carrie Ad was also part of that. And Paul Foxcroft. Well, I remember that first Edinburgh, we were all just hanging out. And... Um, it's cool to yeah to see that we're all still doing it yeah um and yeah uh so yeah that's basically takes me up to music box yeah what's the uh what's the future for music box where are you gonna where are you gonna go with your new cast 
Well, I definitely want to polish what we've got because we've, I think the, the last couple of years we've really worked on the improv and we've really worked on um, just being a, a loving company. And we had a great workshop with Al Samuels a couple of years ago where he told us to find the funny and feel the love. And we've had that as our mantra, kind of. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so we try and... And as a result, we ended up having a lot more love stories in the show, um, which is good because it keeps the human aspect, it keeps the audience engaged, I think. Yes. Um, it creates a narrative without forcing the narrative because yes. we did get stuck in, in the early days. Uh, we were getting stuck in this structure and um, it was kind of counterproductive. So we've kind of got that free form thing going on that we've, that we've got some safety nets in place that we don't go too crazy town, or if we do, it's still engaging because it's the characters are true and uh, we're listening to the audience as well. But so, in the immediate future, I'm working on the music with Tom and, like I say, with James, and um, yeah, making our sound sonically better and um, doing some more shows with the band as well because we did used to do that in the past. But it's difficult at the Miller, but. Um, yeah getting a bigger space, getting a, getting our own, because we do the residency at the Miller every month, but also getting our own space as well, I think would be good, so we can have a band, even if it's just keys and drums, yeah. or keys and a guitar, I think it's helpful all yeah. round. And then, on top of the main show, um, which is long-form narrative uh, storytelling, really, um, I want to do some spin-offs. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Sounds exciting. Yeah. I so, think franchise. Yeah, yeah, franchise, exactly. Well, I kind of want to have a parent company, which is The Box. So we're all custodians, or the current members are all custodians of The Box, and Music Box is our main show, but also have some spin-offs. So I've thought of somewhat uncreatively, or creatively, <laughs> um, suffixing everything with box right okay um so there's snuff box which i thought could be uh like a murder mystery ah um, because i like both the double meaning of yeah the snuff. yeah, yeah so <laughs> snuffing out and also yeah. the tobacco that yeah you, uh, yeah and i yeah i love a good murder mystery um on stage especially i think there, there was a few groups oh there, i guess there's csi improv that do it um criminal yeah <laughs> but there, there's room for more um there's, uh, I've forgotten the other ones that I came up with. <laughs> Let's have a look. Um, <laughs> cereal box, because I like the idea of having, a, oh, because I directed uh, This Is Soap last year at Edinburgh, and I know when that was another format stolen from Amy Cook Hodgson. <laughs> 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 yeah, when we did a flashbulb together last, uh, a couple of months ago, she said, you just keep stealing my ideas. <laughs> I was like, no, this is what the venue told me to do. I didn't know it was your concept, and we, didn't, I, we came up with our own concept for the cast. But I know when she did it, they every day they would continue the story, which is which is cool. Which Love I didn't, yeah. Which I we didn't do. Which is I think it's a cool idea. So, yeah. So cereal box, another play on words. I, I think really like, I just really like that idea of um, having this continuous narrative, so that if people it rewards people that come back to see you perform. So you don't want to exclude anybody. So if they've missed anything before, it doesn't matter. But you know, in your mind, you know where you've come from. Yeah. Just that but you have like away. a yeah. You can have like a recap at the start because yeah. there was this show. Can you remember with Sylvester McCoy when we were kids and Ken Campbell, I think. Um, and they 
It was, it was like choose your own adventure. Oh, and they took suggestions. Yeah, you movie. would ring in and then the next yeah. week the audience would vote or I think even, yeah, suggest yeah. themselves where the story would go. Yes. Um, and so it would kind of be like that, I think. That's my idea for yeah. it. So, so you couldn't pre-plan in your, no. your head in no. the in- interim what was going to happen next week, but you would stick with those characters and stick yeah. with the story arc. And maybe you would get um, to know... Uh, you as a performer would get to know those characters over a longer period of time because um, this is something that Angela and Leanna talk about um, in their episode uh, episode 27 um, and they talk about playing Sandy and Danny and because they've played Sandy and Danny over you know a long period of time yeah they're constantly discovering new things about those characters oh yeah it's like uh, Susan uh, Harrison's podcast yes. with Gemma Harrismith yeah similar thing isn't it they, yeah, yeah. they've developed so I was listening to their early ones recently and then yeah those characters have just keep developing and it's yes. amazing I'd love to do something find a hook like that um, but you didn't do that you were saying when you were in Edinburgh uh, oh yeah, no, we were episodic, right. but we were taking suggestions of famous soaps for the first, so there were three mini episodes, uh, no, four mini episodes per show, so it was an hour long show, then we'd take, so we'd do the most popular shout outs the audience wanted to see were EastEnders and Neighbours, so we were kind of doing that because like some of the players like Jack Darrell, he kept playing Harold Bishop, <laughs> so Harold was kind of becoming this weird, like, <laughs> he, he did all sorts during the month in Edinburgh, he became addicted to crack, and um, he took up surfing, and yeah, so there was a bit of a character development with some of the characters, and I keep think we could have played on that more um, to hook people in, uh, but the marketing was so terrible for the show, we didn't really get enough audience to hook people in, sadly. It was, it was depressing because we had, like, every day of Shakespeare for breakfast, the same cast would have 250 people every yeah. morning at... 10 a.m. and then we'd play in the same space three hours later to 20 people or something. But it was just such a big space. It yeah, just, yeah. Um, the cast did brilliantly and I was part of that cast as well some days, which was great. Um, so yeah, Serial Box and then the other one I thought of what was Soap Box, which is carrying on the This Is Soap format because I did quite like that because then the audience would make up their own soap. So they'd say, yeah. Where, where's, where's the soap never been set before? Yes. And then they would suggest it. So we had some great places um, like the Waverley Station at Edinburgh. <laughs> some child uh, suggested Inside a T-shirt, which actually was quite a good one. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because we've had crazy suggestions like that for Music Box. And as long as you play the human aspect of a flea or a bin or, a <laughs> or you anthropomorphize that inanimate object and give them a personality, actually some of the most touching shows really? have come out of that. Because I'm always, I'm always thinking, okay, should you not, should you ask for another suggestion so you don't... Yeah, Keith to... Johnston says, no one wants to see that. And I do agree with him a lot of the time. But sometimes if that's the only suggestion you get, you just have to do it because otherwise you look like you're structured or you're scripted. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't ask for too many, you can't reject too many suggestions. No, exactly. It's like... Uh, and we do it on a vote system, like most groups anyway. Oh, that's so, a good idea. Yeah, um, but we have kind of come, we don't have a structure, we don't cheat, but there is a way of presenting the suggestions, Yes. like a, an order in which you suggest them, uh, which seems to work. <laughs> right. The first one you suggest 
tends not to get the biggest cheer. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. For some reason, yeah. they kind of build up. So if there is, if we get suggested brothel, which is the most common suggestion, really? yeah, we tend to put that, or we tend to actually say that in the ask for. That's the so, thing, yeah. isn't it? Yes. So, you know, if you ask for a personality, you know, like Donald Trump, oh, I've said yeah. Donald Trump, we can't do that now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> brothel, that's really the most popular. So, so what do you actually ask for? Do you ask for a, a place? Um, at the moment, we ask for a location right. and a title of a musical, but I'm thinking of changing that again because the, if you get the location first, the title just tends to be an extension of that, right, really. Yes. Um, in the old days, we, had, we asked for a location, a title, and uh, like a piece of advice, which I quite liked because uh, the piece of advice would be a song somewhere in the show, yeah. and that was always a really magical, like orgasm moment which is they used to tell us at drama school uh, in our singing classes they say every song needs to have an orgasm moment right and i really do think that was our orgasm moment as a music box yeah. so as ad that's something i'm going to get back into the show because it, keep, it normally the audience have forgotten about it yeah. as well and then it comes in because otherwise you just take these two suggestions up the top and then yeah that's it so yeah you've, I, you've, you've, I mean you've proved that you can remember something for a couple of minutes which yeah. is quite <laughs> impressive but then if you can remember a thing for much longer and then it's uh -huh. like, oh. And it also helps you if the suggestion is uninspiring because the second most popular suggestion is something factory. So we get a lot of, we've done cheese factory, egg factory, lots of factories and um, they, like workhouse. Yeah, I don't know why people suggest that so often, but um, yeah. yeah, they tend to be about poor working conditions. <laughs> we have to steer them away from being depressing or... Yeah, um, which being freeform is a bit more difficult because there's no director there to yeah. stop you. Um, yeah. You kind of have to self-edit and, um, yeah. Yeah, there is an art to getting, you know, good suggestions. Yeah. And you can only influence it so much. Yeah. You can do bits. I think we were asking for a place where you would have an adventure. That helped. Oh, that's nice. Because um, then we weren't getting supermarkets as well that's great <laughs> shops yeah poundland we've Great's done quite a few poundlands yeah. yeah um but i'm not doing a disservice to our audience <laughs> but no but it's sort of amusing that here you are putting on a musical and it's improvised so we could go anywhere we could do anything and it's like oh a really it's, pedestrian it's yeah. great again <laughs> it's like you know but we tend to music bots do tend to be more fantastical so yeah we probably wouldn't like i think when we had poundland it there was a ghost in poundland and there was a wizard on the roundabout outside and <laughs> tend to go to these fantastical places because it is quite stream of consciousness and right. um quite dreamlike i would say if that's maybe our usp oh yeah, yeah. um is that yeah really. is that a deliberate uh, thing or is that a result of not having a well we've got Rhiannon in the group who is that tends to be her, like like I was saying with me and Andrew Gentili we're the smutty ones she's yes. the fantastic ethereal which is brilliant I love like yeah yes. she's my on stage wife ostensibly <laughs> been performing together so long then Rachel Anderson Lyons is um great at grounding us in reality and she's right. great at playing those naturalistic parts um yes it's good if you get those combinations yeah i think we have got a really strong combo at the moment um 
Um, yeah, we all complement each other well, and like I was saying, we have this USP. So it, it is difficult bringing in new people, um, but there's been too many times now where we've had shows where there's people have dropped out and yeah. they've stuck. So you do need a pool of, um, I know showstoppers have got like don't know, 18 people now or something, doing the tours and everything. Um, I think we're up to 12 now with the new people. So that's a good number, like in the past, um, yeah, uh, there was, we had a big draft come in when uh, Jonathan Monkhaus, Jules Mons and Katie Shute left all about the same time. Then we brought in like seven people, me yeah. and Maria and Rhiannon and um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, lots of people have done music box over the years. <laughs> so like Project, there's people from Project 2, from Ostentatious, Breaking and Entering, because Lauren was in for a while. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's been a bit of a, not a training ground, but a playground, right, I would yes. say, for various players over the years. Cool. It's been great playing with all those people. Yeah, no, you've had some great people through your doors. Okay, right, so a uh, big, big finale, big end question. It's a question I've asked before. We love improv, improv's brilliant. Yeah. That's not the question. <laughs> what would you like to see more of in the London scene, both for you and for the scene in general? you were in control, what would you like to see happen? Steve and I have had this, um, Steve Rowe and I have had this dream for a long time of getting a dedicated West End improv theatre. Um, and maybe that's something Hoopla can do, or maybe the Vox improv can, <laughs> we can team up. And I can't remember who it was talking about cross-pollination of all the schools. Yes. I think, was it Katie or someone in one of these podcasts yes. said, and that would be great if we can Avengers assemble all together, <laughs> pool our resources. Um, and yeah, that's what I'd like to see. And Showstoppers have proved that it can be financially viable and that it can work in the West End. Um, that, it can, that it is recognised. And I think we are building towards that. And that would be fantastic. Or maybe even if it's not an, an assembly of everyone, if we have these dedicated spaces. I know the nursery is brilliant and Jules has done such a great job doing that um, and long may it continue. And yeah, I'd love for the box to get our own place. And um, yeah, so making improv more commercially viable, please, for the love of God, make it. How do we get more people into improv? Um, I think it's marketing and yeah, I don't think people, enough people are, at the moment, we're kind of just marketing to our friends who are all improvisers. Yeah, yeah this is what I feel, because I mean, I, I love all my listeners, but I feel that I'm helping to spread the word within the scene. Yeah. So if you're in the scene. You yeah, it'd be great to get another TV show that does it. I know there was that really terrible Mark Watson version of Who's Line a few years ago, and I think oh, that was kind of cut us backwards. There was something really, was that, oh. I just remember lots of primary colours and it being really garish. I think there was like blue screen. I mean, everyone on it was fantastic, but it just, the format wasn't quite right. So I think possibly... No, 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 I have to look that up because it is improvisation, my dear Mark Watson. <laughs> oh, yeah. It didn't really trip off the tongue, did it? <laughs> it was a really hilarious uh, Richard Herring podcast in which he's interviewing uh, Mark Watson and he really sort of takes apart why that doesn't work <laughs> as a name for a programme. <laughs> Uh, I love Richard Harry, so honest. Yes. I'd be petrified to go on the Carry Out did great. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, that, was, that was a really yeah. good episode, yes. Um, uh, 
forgotten what. Oh yeah. So improv, future of improv. Yeah. So hopefully we can get back on TV again. I think that would really help because people just associate it with Who's Line. Yes. Which is amazing because that was one of the other reasons I wanted to get into comedy was especially Colin and Colin Mockery and Ryan Styles. Yeah. They were just there was something magic about when those two did scenes together. Yeah. Um, so either bring that back or even better do something else. <laughs> right. Oh uh, yeah. Maybe I'll maybe theatre sports will take off. Yeah, and know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's been great. So hopefully, because uh, Faye Brown is from podcast number <laughs> twenty. <laughs> Can you drop it in afterwards? So sorry. Um, I've done quite a lot of these. I can't remember them. Faye Brown, a beautiful director. She's come over from Dubai, where she's been running theatre sports, and um, she has got some cojones. And I'm hoping that she will, uh, yeah, lead us into victory. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah that would be great. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that favourite round of episode 24 of the Impossible Podcast, uh, as I knew instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that'd be great. I mean, she seems with uh, theming that, there's a hook. Yeah. So it's Although for the next show, we, we're taking away the hook. Yes, I know. Because Patty Styles came over from Australia yeah. and uh, workshop with us, which was amazing. It was one yeah. of the best workshops I've ever done, going through the format. And she was like, but do you need the hook? And Faye's like, yeah, it's a good marketing tool, which I agree. Yes. But she's saying, don't rely on that. So the next yeah. one, we're going to strip it back and just do theatre sports as it's, it was yes. originally meant to be. Yes. But um, yeah, she's got a great marketing mind. I really love her publicity, uh, approach to publicity. So I'm hoping that, yeah, theatre sports will five for the attention of people that go to see the comedy store players yeah. and hopefully we'll get a, a bigger venue and a bit more central so we can get some passing trade and yeah just i love the miller but there's no passing trade there really yeah. apart from people going to a &E. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. so maybe, should fly, yeah. maybe they need cheering up <laughs> yeah true maybe we should fly there <laughs> i have walked the corridors before trying to put a poster up there was just have you really yeah for, for the music box cabaret last year because it was around this time you struggle getting an audience in the Miller because everyone wants to stay in the garden because yes. it stays late later. I mean, stays light later, yeah. so it's hard to get people into a dark room. And you thought, well, I'll, I'll get ill people; they'll yeah. be vulnerable. <laughs> they'll probably want a bit of cheering up. Yeah, exactly. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but I know he has hooked in a lot of uh, medics and things. If you have an NUS card, you can get him for, for just uh, like the, just the two pound fifty or something. Oh, right, I didn't know yeah. that. Well, not, it's, it's irrelevant to me. It's still yeah. interesting. It's but I guess it is finding those pockets of people that yeah. have disposable income, like students or... I mean, it's um, probably a false economy for me to now train as a medic to get into the middle <laughs> a little bit cheaply. That would seem perhaps a poor reason to becoming a... Although £5 is pretty cheap. I've been, <laughs> been asking Steve to put the prices up, but I see where he's coming from. And if it's... Not broke, don't fix it, but yeah, even six pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, well, I love it. Like it Steve is, that, that's the other thing, the future of improv. Steve Rowe needs to write a book and consolidate all of his yeah. genius so we can all have that as our go to Bible. I love the Steve Rowe book. I know, there's, so we've got all these books from overseas practitioners. Obviously, Keith Johnston is English, but he did all his work in Canada and the States. and. Um, so, yeah, it'd be great to have one of our leading theatre practitioners or improv practitioners to write a book or yes. 
Yeah, so write that book, Steve. Write that book, Steve. That's our request to you. For the good of humanity. I mean, it's not like you've got anything else that's occupying your time at the moment. Plenty of spare time to uh, to write a book, but uh, that'd, be, that'd be good. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, and Dylan and Adam as well, um, they need to write a book as well. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just hope it continues to build like it has. So for the last seven years, it's gone off the scale really from yeah. how it started there was like two two pub theatres doing improv like on a Wednesday and now yeah. it's like every night of the week yeah, you can see amazing. improv so yeah I hope it continues and we continue to work together and promote each other's shows and cross pollinate ideas and yeah that's what I love about improv is compared to all the other theatre I've done it's just so much nicer <laughs> and because you're yes anding all the time is yes. so and yeah there's not that bitchiness or competitiveness really that I've found in musical theatre for example yeah. in those dance calls where I was <laughs> being laughed at for having two left feet uh, yeah but uh, all's fair in love and dance calls oh, it's been great thank you Stu brilliant thank you very much for coming on that's yes. been amazing yeah I hope I'm bored the listeners no, too much I think that's exactly the sort of chat that they're <laughs> expecting good good ramble um, cool. great thanks for having me thank you very much for coming on this. That's improv! <laughs>